pastors who aren't here as well. Um, I got to talk uh, about a week ago with uh, your lead pastor, and I tell you what, such a beautiful heart. And then standing here tonight, like you're, all of your pastors here that I've met so far, just such beautiful hearts and just such a you know, hearts for the kingdom and with a legacy of this, this church and this house, how can you not have just a true heart of God? So if you love your pastors, let's just show them that you love them real quick. So thank you for having us here. Thank you all for all that you do for missions. And so as you heard, my name is Tucker and this is my beautiful bride, uh, Sabrina. And uh, we have been married for nine years, going on 10, and we are currently expecting our first child, a little baby girl, uh, this coming November. And uh, so we're super excited about that, but how many of y'all know when it rains, it pours? As soon as we step out in faith on to, to be missionaries, the, uh, the Lord would give us the desire of our heart as a little baby girl. So uh, we're excited about that, our background um, we are, we come from, uh, being youth and adult pastors for nearly 10 years and, uh, serving faithfully by vocationally. And, uh, of the last seven or eight years, we served at Calvary Christian Center in Ormond Beach, raising up the next generation. And it was about close to two years ago now that the Lord just started stirring on our heart, uh, a country that he laid on our hearts many years ago to start praying for. And, um, saying the country that you've been praying for, Scotland, that the Lord would touch them. I'm going to send you, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you to reach Scotland. So after much praying and fasting, we, we prayed and saw the Lord for 30 days, prayed and fasted. And then we went and saw, talked to the, our leadership and our, our mentor and spiritual father and sought his wisdom as kind of a final fleece before the Lord and he affirmed the call and then by the end of that year we stepped down from youth ministry that something we thought would be a long time before we did and when we stepped down we never imagined missions but we're so grateful the Lord has called us to this because Scotland so desperately needs Jesus um, you may not know, um, but there seems, uh, I think it's beautiful. There's a lot of missionaries in the house, so some of you might know. But Europe right now is considered post-Christian. And uh, what post-Christian means is that they have moved on from God. Um, they God is irrelevant. He's not really part of their culture. He's not really in the context. In lots of parts of Europe, it's not even that people don't really even use the word atheist because that would bring God into the conversation. He's just not really a part of what their lifestyle is. And uh, it's a very, very secular environment in Europe and in Scotland. And um, and sorry, I'm a little out of breath. But uh, secularism has really only been mainstream and we've seen it grow up in the U.S. about for the last 75 years, but it's been going on in Europe for about almost 200 years now. The beginning of uh, the 1900s is when it really started taking place where uh, things really turned and shifted in Europe. But uh, as we know, Europe's culture influences the rest of the world very heavily. But uh, 
Um, there's a scripture I wanted to read with you guys in Judges 2.10 that kind of shows what a post-Christian world looks like. And it reads, And all that generation were also gathered to their fathers, and there rose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work he had done for Israel. And that's what's going on in Europe right now. And in Scotland, um, that's the case. There's, uh, But it's very heartbreaking because... There's been a lot of mighty moves of God in history from Scotland. And I know uh, part of the Azusa Street Revival um, was uh, influenced by the Welsh Revival, which the Assemblies of God was birthed out of the Azusa Street. But uh, it's right now in Scotland, 97% of people do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. They have, it's a nation that has turned its back on God and is moving away from God. A lot of churches are, they can't demolish them. They're uh, turning into mosques, nightclubs, um, which is just grieves, that just grieves our spirit. That place of worship is now a place of sin. Um, rock, climbing, rock climbing facilities, um, gyms. And uh, that's what's going on in Scotland right now. And one of the main leaders in Scotland is Muslim. So there's an influence of Mus- uh, the Muslim religion increasing slowly every year. Um, and what breaks our hearts the most is the 3% that do have a personal relationship with God throughout Scotland. Less out of the 3%, less than 1% are under the age of 40, and that's not okay. It's, it's not okay at all. That means that discipleship is not taking place. Evangelism is not happening. People aren't being told about what Jesus did on the cross for them. And there is this issue of a- access that a lot of people right now, our age and younger and older, they don't even have a friend who is a Christian. And one of the missionaries that we're going to be serving under that, they're going to teach us how to church plant in Scotland. They come across people frequently in where they live that have never even heard the name of Jesus. And it's just kind of heartbreaking that a place like Scotland, that that's the case now. And But we're believing the Lord is going to pour out his spirit again. And that he's going to bring prodigals back and he's going to raise up a mighty, mighty army of God in Scotland that millennials will know him. Generation Z will know him in Scotland and Generation Alpha will know him. And there's going to be a just there's going to be an awakening of the older generation to pour into the younger generation. And they're going to be a big part of that. But we're excited to be a part of it. And we can't wait to be on the field and be someone's first Christian friend. That's what we're really looking forward to. It's just being locals, going to the coffee shop and meeting people and just befriending them. And being the first one who gets to tell them that Jesus died for them. <laughs> Can you imagine being the first person to tell them about Jesus? 
to go into a place like Scotland where depression and anxiety run rampant and people blame it on the lack of sunshine. And can you imagine going in there and being like, hey, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. Let me show you true joy. True, true peace. And watch the anxiety and depression lift from them. To be the first person to tell them about how intentional God is. Thank you so much. That he would take a man that was running from telling a people to repent and cause him to be swallowed by a fish and spit up on another shore. To show that, to tell them how much Jesus loves them, that he would cause two Floridians that never thought missions was a part of their life other than, you know, taking some people on occasional missions trips or supporting missionaries and maybe retiring on the mission field one day because, you know, your brother can't sit still over here and flip our lives completely upside down or honestly right side up to fulfill the Great Commission and reach the Scottish people once again. As Sabrina said, the revivals that happened in Scotland, the revivals up in the Hebrides, directly affected the just south of Scotland in the uh, area of Wales, the Wel Great Welsh Revival. And as you trace the Welsh Revival and its influence, it directly influenced the Azusa Street Revival, of which if we didn't have the Azusa Street Revival, the fellowship that is the Islamic God would not exist as the largest missions organization in the entire world. See, when I was when we told the Lord yes, I was uh, spending some time in prayer, seeking the Lord in the secret place. And the Lord gave me a vision of Sabrina and I landing in the city of Edinburgh, the capital city of Scotland. And we were carrying what looked like a ball of fire. And as we landed, it spread through the lowlands into the highlands, into the rest of the UK and into the rest of Europe. And the Lord spoke to me and said, this is my Holy Spirit in revival. I want to pour out on Scotland again. See, those spiritual wells that were once dug so deep that have essentially been capped off. We believe that they're about to bust open and God's about to pour his spirit out in a way that we have never seen before. I was thinking the other day um, about where we are and how intentional God is. Because with a new baby coming, <laughs> it, it started, I'm starting to get a different perspective on things. And we believe in praying and having powerful names for our children. And one name that the Lord put on our heart that we're naming our little girl, it just kind of fits where Scotland is surprisingly to me. And uh, I haven't even shared this with Sabrina, I don't think. But <laughs> uh, she may smack me for this later. But <laughs> but we're naming our little baby girl Ember, like the embers of a fire. 
And I feel like it's just fitting that we would be going into a place that I believe there's, there's a little bit of embers still there, a little bit of fire still there, that God's just waiting to, you know, give some oxygen to those embers and turn it into a flame. So, but we need your help. Because as you, many of you know, being uh, some of y'all former missionaries, a lot of y'all uh, evolved in missions in some way, shape, or form, that we need prayer. There's a lot of spiritual walls that have been just built up over years and years and years. I don't know. Did you share the hardness of heart part? Did you share? So when we were in Southeastern, part of the start of this call, the Lord um, brought Sabrina to an article and on a research paper she had, and it talked about the hearts of the people of Scotland were as hard as digging through concrete with a spoon. And that broke our hearts. And so we just felt, you know, pricked to pray for Scotland, being youth and adult pastors. I think at the time we were just helping Calvary start a new campus, so we were totally consumed in that. But in the middle of that busy season, starting a campus from nothing, and all the logistics that go into that, the Lord put a seed in our hearts to start praying for Scotland, that he would send, that he would send missionaries, that he would send revivalists, that he would, he would send people that are willing vessels of his spirit to go into this place. And um, that's where it started for us. And so we believe that those hard hearts, those walls can be broken down through the prayers of people in Plant City, through the prayers of people from Garden Grove. We believe that, you know what, encounters we have on the streets will be because of a prayer said here in Florida. Um, the missionary we're serving with, he had a similar situation, uh, um, encounter happen like that, where this um, young girl that was in his neighborhood, uh, leased a flat close to his, um, he was talking, met her in the hallway or in the street or somewhere, but he was talking to her and started telling her about Jesus. She was a native Scottish Edinburgh, born and raised young lady, and she never heard the name Jesus before. She goes, who's Jesus? What's church? I have a son. Can Do you guys have child care? It, like, you seem friendly. Like, yeah, I'll try it out. And he invited her to church, and she came. And he hasn't told me if she accepted the Lord yet or not, but this is an encounter that we get to have through the prayers of each and every one of y'all. An encounter that we get to have, Lord knows, I mean, there's half a million people in Edinburgh, so I pray we have it half a million times. Because every one of them, my heart is that everyone would be saved. Everyone would hear the name of Jesus and that every... Every tongue would confess his name. Every knee would bow. 
So if you would join us in prayer, we have some prayer cards in the back um, at our table. And um, come grab one, put it in your Bible. They will make a great bookmark. Um, or on your fridge, wherever you spend the most amount of time. And we'll remember to pray for us the most. Put it there. <laughs> so food or Jesus, food or Jesus. I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> thank you so much for having us. And um, I have, uh, your pastor asked me to just share a couple quick thoughts. Oh, thank you. A couple little quick thoughts. Can y'all give it up for my beautiful wife? Y'all, so funny story. I was told by a pastor once, we go to a bunch of meetings with a bunch of pastors, um, fairly often. And uh, we stand up in this one meeting and this pastor goes... And I'm, I'm sharing, and then Sabrina shares a little bit, and it was her first time going to one of these meetings. And uh, he goes, he pulls me aside afterwards and goes, son, I need to talk to you. I was like, yes, sir. And he goes, you just, you know, just intro your wife from now on and just let her do all the talking because she's way better at this than you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she is. But anyway, I'd be a mess without her. But if you have your Bibles, if you could go ahead and turn to the book of Matthew, chapter 17. And as you turn there, I just want to give a brief little preface of this passage. So one thing I love about the Gospels is the effect of the synoptic Gospels, being Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And of these uh, past, of these gospels, they are filled with the same, pretty much the same story, reiterated from a different, for lack of a better term, camera angle. So they're, they're just shooting the story from different angles. And in some translations, there is a scripture that I'm fixing to read that isn't included. Um, if you have like the ESV, it wouldn't be included in the ESV because of certain manuscripts and stuff like that. But in the New King James or in the King James, it will be there. So I'm going to reference Mark as well, just to show that this is a true biblical concept. So if you have an ESV translation or something like that, uh, one of these verses may not show up, uh, but it's still very much in the Bible. It's one of just those controversial translation things. So, uh, but it's still the word of God, but all right, let's go. So Matthew 17, starting in verse 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to you and your disciples, but they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, 
Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, Because of your unbelief. For surely, I said, say to you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you will say to the mountain, move from here to there. And it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Also in Mark chapter 9, verse 29, it says, So he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Let's pray for a second. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for who you are. You are so good and holy and we worship you. I thank you for this call and I thank you for this opportunity. Lord Jesus, burn in the hearts of everybody here what you've been burning in mine. Lord, we are your vessels and use us tonight. Speak through me. And use everybody in this room for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. So before this, we get to this passage, um, Jesus was actually on the Mount of Transfiguration. One of my favorite passages where he's up on top of the mountain and he's, he's transfigured before only three of his disciples and He's, he's having this high mountaintop experience in the gl- true, uh, unadulterated glory of God. And then right after that, it, he's met with a problem. How many times have you gone from an amazing service where God has shown up in such a beautiful and amazing way where maybe he has healed you or healed somebody in the room where maybe the spirit was poured out and you were baptized for the first time or the fresh time, the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, or maybe your best friend just got saved and you are literally on an all time high with God. And then you walk into work the next day or, and, and maybe your boss is annoyed or upset because it's Monday. And, or maybe you go home to a family member arguing or upset about something trivial. And now you're from that mountaintop experience. And now you're back down here again. See, this is where even Jesus, being fully God and fully man, was experiencing this this moment. And he says, and I quote, Oh, faithless and perverse generation. See, in this passage, as I studied and read this, I don't believe he was talking to the father who was literally down on his knees begging for his son to be set free, to be healed, for something to happen. I believe he was saying that for his disciples. See, his disciples that had been walking with him and had been in moments where Peter would go, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you're the Messiah, the one to come. And yet he's, they're sitting there and they don't have enough face to cast out a little demon. He's broken. 
Because he has set this example. He has poured into him. He has lived with these young men day in and day out, showing them, pouring into them, discipling them. And yet, when one problem comes, they don't have enough faith to see it broken off. And then he casts it out and the, the boy is delivered and saved. And the disciples, in their fear of humility, this is how I believe he was talking to them. Because he didn't, they didn't just go to him and ask him right away. They were like, he already said a side comment. I'm going to get in trouble if I, I'm going to get very embarrassed in front of all these people if I ask him right now. So I'm going to wait till we're in private. I'm going to wait to ask him this till we're in private. And then he answers, if you would only have the faith of mustard seed. And I know for those of us who have been in church for a while, we've heard that passage preached a million and two times squared. Like, we have heard it so many times. But it goes to show you, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, what could God really do? But how do you get that faith? How do you grow that faith? And that brings me to verse 21, where it says, However, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Yes, he's obviously talking about the demon going out from the boy, but I believe he was also giving us a biblical truth right here. That if you want to grow your faith, we must spend time in prayer in the secret place, and we must spend time fasting. See, when Sabrina and I felt this call stirring on us, we were prompted our first immediate response because this call came in a time of prayer. It wasn't on this mountaintop high experience of a service. It wasn't on this moment where we met a missionary from Scotland because how, how many of y'all know we make the only we make only six missionaries in Scotland, missionary couples, for five over five million people. There's six of us. So we didn't hear it from somebody in need. My view of missions actually was more of the traditional view of missions of I need to go to, if I'm doing missions, you know, India, Africa, South America. Yeah, and we even had missionaries live with us at one point. Uh, we opened up our room to them. So we, we believe in missions. As an Assembly of God pastor, you kind of have that like injected into your blood when you become a minister with the Assemblies of God. But we didn't have it on some high mountaintop experience. We had it in the secret place. In time of prayer. So we went straight into fasting and seeking the Lord. Because nothing will grow your faith more or cause you to step out in a greater move of faith than when you're spending time praying and fasting. This is why he says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, and then he goes straight into prayer and fasting. You want, you want this faith? Okay, this is how you get it. You want to see this happen? This is how you get it. 
You want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. You want to see the signs that Jesus talked about. These signs will follow all who believe that the death, the um, lame would be healed. The deaf would hear. You want to see that? Prayer and fasting. On our face before the Lord. So many times in this culture, growing up, the culture was likened to McDonald's a lot. <laughs> a fast pace, fast food, microwave culture. Get it now, get it tomorrow. And with Amazon, part of it has gotten worse. Lord knows I am an Amazon Prime subscriber, and that's where I don't even go to Walmart anymore. <laughs> Just put it on subscribe and save. But, see, it's gotten even worse with that. But at the same time, I've started noticing a shift. Because, you know, how many of y'all know that I'm raising my hands, uh, parents in here, the parents in the room? Mainly the husbands. When your wife gets pregnant, you put on a little weight, don't you? I know I have put on about five or ten pounds. So I'm trying to get my health back up and going a little bit. And one thing I have noticed is there is a kind of a wave of people starting to understand that things take time. That things, that if you really want something, you really want a result, it takes time. If you really want a result in your walk with the Lord, it takes time to tarry in the secret place. It takes time to be willing to say, you know what, I'm not going to eat lunch today, but I'm going to take a lunch break and pray and fast and seek the Lord because I want something a little bit more. I want something more than what I've had so far in my walk with God. I don't just want to experience him on a Sunday or on a Wednesday night or at a, a small group. I want to experience him in my break room at work. I want to experience him when I see my coworker walk in with an ankle brace on or some crutches and be able to say, hey, I'm a Christian, and therefore, I believe you can be healed. And watch what God does. I, um, I work a, a job as well, being, having been a bivocational youth pastor, um, I've had a, this one job for eight years, and um, I work for a company doing industrial oil and coolant sales, and my boss is a great Christian man and gives me a lot of freedom at work. And about a month ago, I was at a a, play, a machine shop in, um, in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, with one of my sales reps. And there was a man there, and we were talking with him and trying try to, you know, just do work, sell him own oils and stuff like that, like I do to pay the bills. And he was talking about an injection that he had to get in his spine. And I felt the Holy Spirit come into that unair-conditioned, blazing hot machine shop where he's standing there pouring sweat. And I look over at him, I'm like, listen, 
This may sound weird to you. But I'm a Christian. I believe God can heal you of that to where you don't have to get that shot ever again. And right there in the machine shop, I asked him if we could pray for him. And on the shop floor with forklifts driving left and right and uh, people banging around and all, we laid hands on his back. And so far, he hasn't had to have a single shot. So the Lord is definitely an amazing God. But that only comes through prayer and fasting. So I just want to take a few moments. If we have some soft music, we could play in the back um, real quick. I would like to just encourage us in a time of prayer and seeking the Lord in these last few minutes. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I heard the needs in the room as we were as we were preparing for tonight and all the prayer requests that were prayed over. From from melanoma to hearing problems to family members that are aging. And I know God is in the middle of all of it. And wants to touch us all in the middle of it. So if we could just, just start worshiping him right now. From right where you're at, if you want to sit down, if you want to walk around for a minute, if you want to just, uh, wherever you're at, just seek his face. Oh, Jesus, you are so good. Oh, God, you are so holy. Lord, we worship you with all that you have. Lord God, 